the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt is sponsored by the Marquardt Law Firm and does not attempt to solve your individual legal problems upon the basis of information contained herein. Instead, contact an attorney to discuss the specific facts and circumstances of your unique situation. The views and opinions of this program do not reflect the views of the Salem Media Group. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardtlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt on the radio, on podcasts, on Facebook Live, and on YouTube. Also, TalkLawRadio.com. Today, we're going to be talking about the definition of assisted living. Uh, But first, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk about this on the radio. And uh, please forgive us for our sins, for our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing or failing to follow your will. Help us to follow your will more closely. And help uh, Cindy Pressler and I give good information to the listeners about assisted living. Pray all these things. Uh, for your glory, for the good of your people, and for our own good. In Jesus' name, amen. Cindy, welcome to the show. Good morning. (laughs) So you are assisted living extraordinaire. You've done everything from beginning to end. And so there's a lot to talk about there. Uh, But first, I wanted to talk about you as a person. Where are you from? I'm a Texas girl, born and raised uh, kind of several different locations in Texas, so west, north, south. Traveled in the east, but mostly come from west Texas. You've been all all over Mm -hmm. over Texas. Yep. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I I noticed on your resume you went to school in Odessa. I did. I started college there. So Odessa Junior College at the time, which is now University of Texas at Permian Basin. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And you, you, the whole time that you were in Texas going to school, uh, did you know that you wanted to do assisted living or helping seniors or any of that? Todd, no. I was a young person with big dreams, and I just wanted to leave. I wanted to grow up, leave, be on my own. My dream was to go to school. Um, I was a writer. And I wanted to follow that. I wanted to be also good at language. So I thought, I'm going to be a linguist. I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have children. I'm just going to travel the world and be in foreign affairs or some kind of interesting life. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what changed? Um, I just kept walking through open doors um, that opened for me work-wise. Um, I did not finish that dream in college. I ended up getting married and having four children, and now 19 grandchildren and counting. Wow, And awesome. um, that just took a whole different life on, and everything that you're running from is probably exactly where you need to go. Yeah, <laughs> so. I guess Noah had that story, too. <laughs> he did. I didn't know that at the time, or if I knew it, I didn't want to think about it. Right. But anyway. Okay. Uh, share with us uh, some of the different experiences that you had uh, that led you to uh, – where you are today being a consultant to help people become managers of assisted living facilities. 
You know, I think it's interesting in your life. Um, you read a lot of things, and sometimes people of wisdom, older people will tell you, you know, they think back to their young days and the dreams that they had. I, I've always had a dream of owning my own business. I owned my own business. My first business was when I was nine years old. I sold butter beans out of my own garden, out of my backyard. Okay. Daddy let me have the back row on the fence. Okay. And so I just, I've had that in me forever. Um, sometimes it takes a long time to get to where you want to be, and then along the way you forget about it maybe. Um, or you think, oh, that'll never happen, right? Mm-hmm. But the dream, I think dreams are given to you for a reason. Uh, if you have a really strong passion about something, it's probably what you need to be doing. But sometimes it takes a long time to wrap your mind around it. Or situations, financials, other conditions in your life may not let you go that direction until there's a good time for that. Okay. So after you sold butter beans, <laughs> what what was the next step that led you to where you are here? Oh, just growing up. So butter beans, Girl Scout cookies, and then what is that group called in high school I was in? Junior Achievement. You know, we had to create mm-hmm. products and market them and sell them and make a profit and track all of that and learn how to do all of that. Wow, that's a yeah. young entrepreneur group. Yeah, it is. They're a great organization. And um, I, my dad was an entrepreneur, always in his own business. I helped in the business, you know, helped him keep books, those kinds of things, and just learned a lot. You know, I was, I was that kid that was at the Saturday morning farmer's breakfast with dad and all the farmers mm-hmm. listening and learning. And maybe I might have been sitting on the side reading comic books at the time in the little cafes, but I was listening and learning. Yeah. So it just took a long time to get there. Then you grow up and you have a family and you're like, well, I can't jump off the cliff and run my own business. I got to have an income and take care of these kids yeah. uh, and responsibilities. But somehow, and I give God the credit, um, you know, What's that old saying? A, even a blind hog can find a something anyway. <laughs> um, but I think God's always there. And whether you're acknowledging it or not, I don't think he ever leaves you alone. Um, and so I don't think he left me alone because the, the right doors opened for me along the way. Was I smart enough to take advantage of them? Yes. Did I realize what the big plan was? No. Well, tell so, us about some of those doors that you walked through. Just, I started off at 17, uh, preparing to go to college, earning extra money, working at in, in my local nursing home. That was the jobs that were available. And so I did those 11 to 7 shifts at the time. And, oh, really? Uh, t- taking care of elderly people. Okay. I knew how to care for people. That, one of the jobs I had when I was 12, my first babysitting job, was working for the lady across the street from us who had twins unexpectedly and needed extra hands to help. And, you know, I credit my parents for giving me that good work ethic and knowing how to serve, knowing how to, you know, knowing how to make your bed and clean the mm-hmm. house and do the chores that you didn't want to do. Everything teaches you something That's that you can right. use later on in life. So work ethic and just being able to follow directions and learn and apply what you learn and and uh, most of all, be of service to the person that you're working with and for. And if you're open-minded to do that, I think doors open. Opportunities come along the way. But you have to take advantage of them. So, you know, the steps from there to in college um, and then afterwards – working um, for the Council of Governments, had an opportunity to go to work for them. What did you do there? I was an aging specialist um, or a contract manager. It was in the aging office in Central Texas. So in Texas, there's at the time that was the agency at state level was called Texas Department on Aging, and they filtered information and funding and oversight down to the county level. So in Texas, a lot of things are governed by by county judges. Uh So we had seven counties there, and I was in charge of contract management. Um, We did some grant writing. We did, um, I did all the contract management the the bid process to funnel monies out to senior centers and different programs that the county was responsible for for seniors. Uh, so learned a lot there. Um, I stepped into that job on a Friday afternoon, and they said, can you run load, lo- some of you will know my age, <laughs> Lotus spreadsheets? And I said, absolutely. And then I went home and called my husband, who was uh, running a, an appraisal district office, and said, 
I need to come in this weekend. Which secretary can stay over and teach me how to run spreadsheets as I start work on Monday morning at 8 (laughs) a.m.? So I spent the weekend learning how to do that. And then from there, it was just upwards. was there about five years. Uh, Long story short, ended up working for the state of Texas when it merged and became Department of Human Dads. What did you do there? I was in a special task program uh, under Governor Richards that was called Adopt a Nursing Home, and it was formed to address the issues that she found. Um, Some of y'all may remember her being in the news for going out and and addressing abuse, neglect, and exploitation issues in senior population, specifically in nursing homes, and a lot of what we didn't know then, really. We didn't call it assisted living. It was a lot of personal care homes, Mm -hmm. um, people that were just not taking care of things properly. And so she formed this task group to address education and training uh, as they revamped uh, rules and regulations. And her attitude was, if we're going to require people to take proper care and meet our expectations of care, then we need to also provide them a way to have education and training about how to do that. So it was an awesome opportunity. That was in the 90s, wasn't it? It was in the mid-90s, yes, sir. I didn't I was in New Mexico then, uh, so I didn't experience seeing her on the news. But when we come back after this break, I'll tell you about some other news programs that I did become aware of during that time. Excellent, excellent. (laughs) Stay tuned. Are you looking for reliable tax services? Look no further than Hector Signs with Liberty Tax Services, our valued sponsor here at Talk Law Radio. With years of expertise and dedication to excellence, Hector Signs ensures your taxes are in safe hands. Whether it's individual or business taxes, trust Hector Signs and Liberty Tax Services for thorough, accurate, and efficient tax solutions. Call Hector Signs at 210-764-5648. That's 210-764-5648 for all your tax needs. 9.30 a.m. The answer. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here with Cindy Pressler, who has her own uh, consulting business. Uh, why don't you tell us the name of the business and how to get a hold of you if they're interested in learning how to be an assisted living manager? All right. Um, my company's called ConsultCindy.com, uh, and it's, a, it's an LLC. And you can find us by uh, going to in, or sending me an email at info at carehomeconsulting.com. Uh, that's the name of our website. You can find that on the web at www.carehomeconsulting.com. Great. And uh, send me an email at there, and uh, you can schedule an appointment with us. We'll tell you how, and we give free 30-minute uh consultations for people interested in asking questions and finding out a little bit about who we are and if we can help them or not. Okay. So before the break, you mentioned uh, Governor Richards and uh, some work that you did for the state of Texas, and that was during the 90s. And I, I said I would talk about some news programs that I watched during the 90s. Well, during that time, my own grandmother was getting older. Uh, Her husband, my grandfather, uh, passed away when he was only 60 years old. He had pancreatic cancer. And so she was on her own. And from that day forward, she told us that she would have Alzheimer's disease someday. I don't know if if she prophesied it or (laughs) if it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. But anyway, this became her fear for the next uh, 25 years. And part of the fear was because of Dateline 2020 and 60 Minutes were all doing the the news programs about nursing home uh, abuse and neglect. And and so that, that corresponds with the same period of time you were working with the state of Texas. And so... Maybe that's why you're so passionate about helping people that want to start assisted living. It is, Todd. I 
I did get a passion for it. It was a, it was, I love history. My dad taught me to love history. And when I was working at the COG, one of my jobs was I had to understand how policy was made. How did it, how was it born? How was it written? Um, Who was in charge of that? So I had a lot of opportunity. I had to interpret uh, regs. I had to know the history, the Older Americans Act, uh, Medicare, how all of that worked, how it filtered down from national to from the administration on aging to local government and in the state level and how all of those things came to be and why. So that was passionate for me. And then with the opportunity uh, when I went to the state level, being able to teach, uh, you know, my mother always said, you, sh- you should be a teacher. And I used to hate it because people would ask me on the street, are you a teacher? And inside I would go, grr, no, not going to be a teacher. <laughs> and uh, But I am a teacher at heart. I love education and, and, and information. So uh, that was a, it was passionate for me. And the fact that it was a program that we were being a part of to create, that, that hit the creative part of me, my writing and all of that. And we focused a lot on we had to develop our own workshops, do research, get training in education. And we wrote a lot of our own workshops for um, uh, training uh, people in how to work with people with dementia. And it was interesting to me because my own grandmother, um, in her day, there was no place to go if you couldn't stay home except mm-hmm. to a nursing home. And I knew she was not really appropriate for a nursing home. She didn't need nursing care, but she couldn't stay at home with us anymore because my mother also had the care of my middle sister who had um, a disability from birth. So it just became too much. But in retrospect, I look back and Granny, as I called her, did have some dementia because towards the end of her life, I would go and visit she would think that I was my mom because mm-hmm. I look a lot like my mom. Yeah. And she thought my firstborn, my first daughter, uh, Sarah, who was two or three at the time, was me. Uh-huh. So she would call me Mary Helen, and she would call Sarah Cynthia. Mm-hmm. And it always confused me. But interestingly enough, I have to tell this story because it's so sweet. On the day my granny passed away, she was in the hospital, and I was there visiting, but I had to get back home to the children, and I had to leave. Mother, my mom, was standing beside the head of her bed. Granny was sitting up in the bed, and when I got to the doorway, I turned around and blew her a kiss and said, Bye, Granny, I love you, and she said, Bye, Pumpkin. That was my nickname that my granddad gave me. So in that small instant before she passed away, she, she remembered you. me. Yeah. She knew me. And that was such a gift. It was so sweet. Yeah, because thank you for sharing. I didn't mind that she called me Mary Helen. I didn't understand why. Uh, we just thought it was aging, that everybody that got old did that. It's not true. Not necessarily mm-hmm. true. Right. Okay. Well, that's very touching. But we, I want to give our listeners some uh, take-home information about how to provide the same care for their loved ones. And uh, you started to get on your soapbox one time when we were talking about assisted living because there's so much confusion about what assisted living is and what it's not. So tell us, uh, what do you want our listeners to know about assisted living? I think it's helpful for you to know if you're dealing with aging parents or loved one, it's helpful to know some information. So when you're when you're trying to decide what do you need to do on their behalf or help them understand what they need to do, terminology, you may say, well, that's just semantics, but it's really not. <clears throat> terminology is important when you're looking for the right living environment or support system for your loved one. So there's a difference between a nursing home, uh, what we call a nursing home or a skilled nursing facility or a long-term care facility. There's an umbrella. Long-term care applies to anything that's long-term care. So that might be an institution, which an institution is, a facility is, a nursing home, a hospital, a rehab center, anywhere where there's going to be skilled care available. That's pretty much the the Medicare definition for uh, facility institutional care. So your loved one may need something more that didn't used to exist that now does that's wonderful. It falls under a category called residential care. The reason it's called residential is 
in assisted living, personal care home, those types of places. I'm going to get into a couple of other terminologies. Um, that's where a person can go to live that doesn't need nursing care, but they still might need some care with what we call activities of daily living. They might need help remembering to brush their teeth. They may have arthritis and not be able to brush their teeth. They may have dementia and not remember what a toothbrush is. So there's all kinds of varying levels of things that a person might need help with. For example, I have trouble with my thumbs. I have to be careful about holding a heavy skillet on the stove. Do I need help with cooking? Probably eventually. It may be a dangerous activity for me. So there's varying levels of need, but all of those things can be provided in a residential setting, either in your own home or by moving to something called an assisted living. All residential cares are assisted living, whether you're licensed or not. Um, And then there's a lot more detail to get into about what's the difference between a licensed assisted living and an unlicensed assisted living. Um, I don't know how much uh, time I have to go into that, Todd, but maybe you can direct me. Yeah, well, what I wanted to talk about was the ABCs of assisted living. Okay. uh, Because uh, that's how they differentiate the different licenses for assisted livings. There's a a type A, a type B, and then the type C, you can talk about why it no longer exists. Okay. (laughs) But let's start with A. Okay. So a type A community is is a community where someone, uh, let me use myself as an example, maybe I'm not safe cooking anymore, but I've got all my faculties. I don't need help with anything else. Uh, Maybe I just don't need to be alone in a home cooking for myself. So maybe I can stay home and get meal service. Maybe I can stay home and uh, the family takes care of me or we get meals on wheels or a caregiver to come in. Um, Or maybe I don't want to be at home alone anymore. And that's a great time for me to start thinking about moving into an assisted living called type A. Type A is for that senior who's still pretty independent or very independent. Um, They might be in a type A community that's an independent living where they have a lot of socialization. I don't want to take care of my home anymore. I want to be around other people that are like-minded. I want to be somewhere where um, I've got a cruise ship environment where I can get on a bus with friends and go traveling or have meal service, but I don't need personal care. So So. if it's uh, independent, what level of regulation is needed for that? Why why is it regulated at all? Because any any community that's four or more residents, whether they're type A, large or small, type B, large or small, they're required to be licensed, and that licensing uh, governs two main categories, life safety, Is this community, is this property safe for a person to live in and be able to get out of in case there's an emergency? Is this property safe for a person to receive care? Okay. So. And independent living, uh, you said that they don't need much help. Right. So if you you qualify for type A independent, if you can exit the... In case of an emergency, you have to demonstrate this. You have to be able to exit on your own within a 13-minute window. That means if it's 2 a.m. and you're asleep and there's a fire, you have to be cognizant and able to wake up, get yourself out safely within that 13-minute window. If you can't, then you're not qualified, you're not eligible to live in independent living under the regulations. So what would be the higher level of care next? Next would be a type B, which is the assisted living. So independent living versus assisted, those two two words. So assisted means there's someone on duty 24-7. There's someone awake on duty 24-7. Okay. There might be a caregiver or someone, person that helps do laundry or whatever at a type A, but they don't have to be there 24-7 and they don't have to be awake. Okay. So that's a big difference because I might be that person at 2 a.m. that's groggy because of medicine I take or whatever, and uh, maybe I use a cane, maybe I don't. But whatever reason, I am not going to be that person that can get out in case there's a fire alarm that goes off. I may wake up and be confused. I might be that dementia person. Mm -hmm. might be that person in a wheelchair that doesn't get in and out of a wheelchair by myself. So I need someone on duty that's trained that knows how to help me exit. Okay, so that's a type B. Mm-hmm. 
Tell us what happened to Type C. Type C was was our adult adult foster care program. It doesn't mean that adult foster care has gone away. It just means that under the rules of adult foster care, they were allowed to have four residents. They there are a lot of other rules with that and regulations. However, when the rule just recently changed because they had four that kind of put them under the the fire safety code, the life safety code of needing to be in a community that had that was licensed and that was oversighted for life safety, fire safety code, and uh, meeting all those regulations, and they weren't. So they simply made a change and said, type C no longer exists. They're all going to be, if you're four or more people, you're mm-hmm. going to be classed as a type A or a type B, large or small. Even if, it, even if you're doing adult foster care. Yes. So that leaves um, some communities or residences or that are less than four that are totally unregulated? Yes, they're not oversighted at all. Those are individuals. Maybe it's a nurse, a doctor. Maybe it's a, it's someone who knows well, that they can give good. hopefully it's somebody well, that knows what they're doing. Exactly. So <laughs> a lot, it's usually either someone who's been a nurse that wants to be in their own business and they are confident with their skill level that they can care for those people. It's someone who's been a caregiver for a long time. I could open a, a three-person home. Mm-hmm. I've been a caregiver. Even if I hadn't been one, I could open one and still hire someone if okay. I wanted to. we got to take a break. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the Alamo. Okay. Uh, because today is a special day in history. And then we'll also talk about your CALM program, Certified Assisted Living Manager. Management. Mm-hmm. Management. Okay, stay tuned. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt on the radio, on podcasts, on Facebook Live, on YouTube, and on TalkLawRadio.com. Here talking with Cindy Pressler about her certified assisted living management course and uh, defining what assisted living is. But first, I wanted to talk about the Alamo because I want to give you an opportunity to win a hat. I will mail you a baseball cap type hat uh, that has a picture of the Alamo on it and it says remember underneath it. Um, I bought these hats from uh, the Texan, which is a publication uh, that is uh, a a great read in the mornings. Um, But first, I want to tell you about Uh, a letter that William Barrett Travis wrote on February 24th, 1836. To the people of Texas and all Americans in the world, fellow citizens and compatriots, I am besieged by a thousand or more of the Mexicans under Santa Ana. I have sustained a continual bombardment and cannonade for 24 hours and have not lost a man. The enemy has demanded a surrender at discretion, or otherwise the garrison are to be put to the sword. If the fort is taken, I have answered the demand with a cannon shot, and our flag still waves proudly from the walls. I shall never surrender or or retreat. Then I call on you in the name of liberty, of patriotism, and everything dear to the American character, to come to our aid with all dispatch, The enemy is receiving enforcements daily and will no doubt increase to three or four thousand in four or five days. If this call is neglected, I am determined to sustain myself as long as possible and die like a soldier who never forgets what is due to his own honor and that of his country, victory or death. P.S. The Lord is on our side. When the enemy appeared in sight, we had not three bushels of corn, We have since found in deserted houses 80 or 90 bushels and got into the walls 20 or 30 head of beeves. I had to look up beeves. It's a a cow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if you want that hat that has a picture of the Alamo on it and says, remember, underneath, uh, you need to call the station at 210-308-8867, 210-308-8867. 
8867, and I will give you a hat. Uh, let's get back to assisted living with your passion for teaching and your passion for uh, seniors and older people receiving good care. You started teaching people who wanted to open up their own business, assisted living communities or houses, uh, a certain program. And so I just want you to go through that program so that people can get an overview of all of the things that go into having a successful residential care home or assisted living. Okay. Can I say something about beeves first? Yeah. I, I love language, and so um, beeves is the way they used to spell beef. Beefs. It was really oh, supposed okay. to be F, but they used V in different uh, different letters like that back in the English, old English. Right. Uh, so it was, that's interesting to me. Uh-huh. And thank you for doing that, Todd. That just warms my heart because as a child, you know, Texas is a republic, and there's mm-hmm. a reason why it's called the Republic of Texas. Other states are not called that. Right. So it has to do with some of that history. Anyway, thank you for that. So um, the CALM training, C-A-L-M, is Certified Assisted Living Management. It is a course that is required um, by the state of Texas um, Health and Human Service Commission. It is in their uh, regulatory codes. Uh, you, you, There is a list of credentials that a person operating managing and assisted living a licensed um, should should meet the criteria and it might be that you have a medical degree or you have a business administration degree you have experience but they add on that you also must complete a assisted living management course it there is a certif- uh, certificate that's issued after that while the state requires it, and they also list what the content must be, and just like for a social work um, degree or anything else, uh, professional, uh, there must be uh, a certain number of hours. Um, the first year, it must be 24 hours of course completion, and then following annually, it must be 12 hours to renew your certificate. It is one of the things that a surveyor will ask for when he comes to do your life safety code survey and when they come to do your uh, annual or semi-annual reviews uh, every two years, I think, um, or three it might be now. Anyway, um, in that course, we well, let me back up a second. So while the state regulates and requires that and regulates the content, et cetera, they don't provide the course. So there, that course can be provided by uh, accredited people, um, such as myself. You can accredit yourself, um, but we feel like we have that accreditation or that qualification to provide that training based on our number of years of experience, work history, our relations and connections with, with um people at, that have worked for the state, that were in those programs, uh, in regulatory. So we have great speakers, uh, two of my uh, speakers that, that work with us, that provide the regulatory training of the course, are Fred Worley, who was um, head of that department. Uh, he's an architect who wrote most of the code uh, for the state of Texas. They were there during the years that I worked for the state. Um, Dottie Acosta was in regulatory, uh, working oversight and interpretive uh, regulations for the surveyors. So two very credible individuals and speakers are knowledgeable and well-known in the state. And then we offer an individual speaker, usually about a total of about seven additional qualified subject matter experts, we call them, uh, to cover some of the other subject matter. So that subject matter might be um, such as Todd. Todd speaks for us in our in our group uh, on our trainings um, about law. How does the law? What do you need to know about elder law or other types of business law? Things that might affect you as a an assisted living owner. Uh, what about risk management insurance? We have a speaker for that. We talk about dementia. Uh, most of the time I'm the speaker on that, but we also work with the Alzheimer's Association and different experts uh, giving training and education about all these different subject matters. Um, the reason that the state adds this on and requires it is it's just like real estate or insurance or anything else you want to go into as a business. You need some education and information and an overview of the business that you're wanting to operate. So this gives you a perfect opportunity for a 
good overview of what is this industry about, what's the terminology, what are the regulations, why do I need to know it. And most of the people, uh, I would say all of the people that take my course, uh, will come back and say, you were right, now I know the right questions to ask. And how can in three days I learn all of that? It's because of the manner in which we design the course and the information. So running an assisted living is not difficult, but it is very detailed work. And you need to be knowledgeable. Uh, and if you don't follow the regulations, then the government shuts you down and you lost all your business money to get it started. Absolutely. The regulations are there because seniors are deemed as a vulnerable population and vulnerable populations, people that are disabled, people with medical, people with all kinds of different reasons, income levels, whatever, there's special provisions in our in our Texas policies and procedures that actually starts at the national level um, to protect those populations and, and give modems by which we can provide their care and support. And we're expected to adhere to safety of environment and safety of care oversight. So mention something about these day three people can you can you see that uh yes i can so we we structure our class the the class is structured in three days it's a 24-hour course if you're brand new you want you'll need the 24-hour course so day one to day one and a half you're going to be inundated with the regulatory information policies and procedures not only what are the regulations that i have to meet but how do i apply those how do i actually enact all of those and then uh, and the afternoon of day two, and then all day on day three, that's when we have the subject matter experts talk for an hour, hour and a half at a time. Todd comes on and talks about elder law and veterans and uh, different things. And, and there's time in the sessions for um, questions. questions and answers. So it's a very interactive uh, environment. It is on a Zoom. So it's from the comfort of wherever you are. And then... Um, you get an opportunity to interact with other participants that may be already licensed or may not be. And then on day three, we offer subject matters such as we have a person skilled in lending or, or property acquisition. Uh, what do I need to know about looking for a home that's suitable to you? So it's really good because I've had clients that have jumped in and bought a home and then called for help, and they bought the wrong home, and it's going to cost a lot of money. So yeah. we have a motto at Consult Cindy. It's called Start Right, Stay Right. And that comes from my dad. That's my story on that issue because if you if you start something correctly, which means think it through, mm-hmm. make a plan, get some help, ask questions, then you have a greater percentage chance of staying right and being successful. And Tell us when is this uh, next upcoming class? It's going to be March 11, 12, and 13. You need to register now if you're going to. Registration will close here in the next few days. And uh, the cost is uh, $315. And I will promise you that's below anybody else I know. So it's a great rate and probably the best information you're going to get. Um, and they can email you at info at? Carehomeconsulting.com. Okay. Or you can use info at consultcindy.com. But primarily use the carehomeconsulting.com. That that will direct it directly to me. Okay, we got to take a break. Call the station if you want a hat. Be right back. Are you looking for reliable tax services? Look no further than Hector Signs with Liberty Tax Services, our valued sponsor here at Talk Law Radio. With years of expertise and dedication to excellence, Hector Signs ensures your taxes are in safe hands. Whether it's individual or business taxes, trust Hector Signs and Liberty Tax Services for thorough, accurate, and efficient tax solutions. Call Hector Signs at 210-764-5648. That's 210-764-5648 for all your tax needs. 9.30 a.m., The Answer. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt talking with Cindy Pressler about CALM, Certified Assisted Living Management. It's a course that she provides. There's an upcoming course in March the 11th to the 13th. You can get more information from her about that at info at... Care. Care. 
Care Consulting. Care, care Home. Info at carehomeconsulting.com. I think okay. I confused y'all. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to give you one more chance to win a free hat. You can call the station at 210-308-8867, 210-308-8867, uh, because I'm remembering the Alamo today. February 24th, 1836 was when uh, Travis sent a letter asking for help because he was under attack at the Alamo. You can also text Todd at 210-538-4770. Text Todd at 210-538-4770, and I'll give you a free hat just for interacting with me today. So this is our fourth segment, and because Mark Court Law Firm sponsors the show, and we focus on business and estate law, I like to talk about legacy. And now, it's time for the Talk Law Radio Legacy Spotlight. What's your legacy? Sponsored by Marquardt Law Firm. So we know what Travis's legacy was, um, because uh, everybody remembers the Alamo. I mean, that's the theme. And so I wanted to ask you... What do you want people to remember about Cindy Pressler? That I, how much I love what I do, how much I love and enjoy people, and how passionate I am about my fellow man and understanding and caring about your community and living up to your potential. That's my theme. Give what you can while you have an opportunity. And if you don't know what it is you can give, start a journey to figure out what that is for you because that's how we become community. That's what the the guys at the Alamo did. They gave their all in really dire situation. And, Todd, you mentioned to me that not coming from Texas, you were shocked to find out that That they didn't win the battle, (laughs) that they lost the battle. And just, you know, I have a a saying, and it's common, you'll know what it is, it's nothing unique, but I have have it written on my whiteboard at home, and it says, every day I show up, doesn't matter if anybody else does, but I show up. Amen. Yeah, Yeah. and now you'll have a recording to share with your children and your yeah. 19 grandchildren yeah. of the, the lessons that you want them to remember about you. Um, just like the, the Alamo, I mean, the, the Texans left that property. You know, that's something that we can leave to our loved ones. Um, is there any uh, anything that special to you that you inherited from somebody that passed away before you or or something that you're going to pass down that is like a a family heirloom that is going to be meaningful for somebody when i was a little girl i would spend summers um every summer a, a some amount of time with my grandmother and on their farm and she had um i don't know if you know what a sideboard is but it's a dining room or eating room uh, piece of furniture, and usually that's where they kept their best silverware and uh, coffee servers and things like that. I have seen that before. Mm-hmm. Well, my grandmother's sideboard didn't have any of that. It was full of black and white tintypes and all kinds of uh, mementos from her life and granddad's life, and it might have gone back to people I didn't have any idea who they were. But my favorite thing to do there was to sit down in the living room floor and dump out all those containers of photographs and go through them and have Granny tell me stories about them. And so I did that for my children and grandchildren, and they have everything on their phones. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be really fun one day when they inherit that big sideboard that I have that's <laughs> full of uh, postcards and mementos and uh, little silly drawings and things that they all gave me. And it's all in there, and it's terrible. It's not organized at all. And I'm so excited they're going to have to sort through all of that because it's going to be really good for them. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, my grandmother and my mom, they, they had some of this those same things uh lots of black and white photographs and um my grandmother had this toy cat that um it was kind of like a stuffed animal uh i don't know how it was made uh it it isn't anything that you would buy at the store today 
It was it was a homemade stuffed cat, and it's the <laughs> ugliest thing you ever saw. Um, but I know it was hers, and I know it was important to her because it survived, you know, several generations now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that those things are really cool. So when I was thinking about your question, I thought, well, when my parents both passed away. Uh, by the time they had both passed away, I had already decided I wasn't going to hold on to things. So I divided everything up that might have be considered an heirloom. My mother's fruit bowl, my grandmother's sugar cookie, a tea cake recipe, my uh, my aunt, great aunt Susie's pie dough recipe, things like that that I do want preserved. And I just told the children, "Come, we're going to. You're going to take what you want now." And hold on to it. And if you don't want it, that's okay. Uh, we're going to take pictures and we'll have a story about it. So I've kind of done all of those kind of material things. Mm-hmm. Of course, I came and talked to you about what do I do with my business uh, money and things like that. So yeah. we're working out a plan for that. But as far as the non-material and the things that I hold valuable, uh, I have another cabinet that's full of my writings published or not i'm glad you said that (laughs) because i've been trying to remember to ask you about your poetry yes so i do write poetry i also do write fiction and i just write little snippets of stories of our lives and things like that to leave for my kids i have a series i'm working on called uh my backyard and uh or Monday morning musings or something i can't i don't know right now anyway it's stories of everywhere i've lived that uh, whether it was the country or city, uh, the life that goes on in my backyard. Okay. And so I've got a lot of cousins and people that really enjoy it. Uh, so things like that I want to leave them. But I love poetry. Um, I'm not a, uh, I'm a very different kind of poet. And I think poetry and fiction can tell truth in a way that truth cannot sometimes because it can make people think and wrap their heads around a truth that maybe they're not really willing to believe otherwise. Mm-hmm. So it makes a safe place for people. Uh, it's also just fun entertainment to make things up. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I love my poetry. Um, I didn't finish a degree in writing or anything, and so I might be called a frustrated writer but uh, and maybe never get the full recognition of being very accomplished, but uh, the people that I do share it with seem to be blessed. And I had a great opportunity this year to co-write uh, a, a hymnal book with a friend okay. who is a composer, and I wrote, she wrote 25 songs, and I wrote 15 complimentary poems to go with each music piece. Mm-hmm. So that was a wonderful experience of digging deep and finding out, uh, can, I, can I write anything on purpose? Yeah. Uh, so that was a great experience and a, a, a great opportunity. And is that. that available on Amazon? No, we're, we, we wrote it. You know, she's such a unique person, and her father passed away, and she um, she has now an ill spouse, and she's been inspired during the last three years to really express her faith. And she had a, a, a legacy money from her dad, and she's using that to write uh primarily for her children, for leaving a legacy for them, Mm -hmm. and I was invited to join. So uh, I asked her about publishing on Amazon or something, and she said, I'm not really interested in doing that. You can do what you want. I haven't done anything with it yet, but uh, mostly it was for friends and family. But you could. I could. She gave you permission. She did, yeah. Well, let's let's work on a written note from her (laughs) that gives you that permission. That'd be great, Todd. Because then, you know, if you don't get around to it, maybe your kids will want to publish it. They might want to. Yeah, you never yeah, know. Yeah, you're so busy. I am. I have a ton of things I want to do, and my my passion really is writing now, and I'd like to before uh, before I might lose the opportunity to be able to do so. I'd really like to pursue that and finish a couple of novels that I want to get written and stories for my kids. Yeah, kids. but you're also doing this assisted living management yeah, course. Yeah, and that is, that's, uh, that's a passion. I don't want to give that up because, you know, just like the Alamo and different things, history has a way of losing some of its um, truth, gets changed over the generations, and the stories change and get shortchanged sometimes. So um, the same thing happens in business and especially in this industry with just the terminology and where did this come from and why are we so – why is it so important? Um, and it, it has some very important value uh, for the next generation that's going to be taking care of you and me. That's right. <laughs> Um, going back to the the course and your consulting, I, I was just imagining that maybe there's some 
assisted living operators out there that are already started. They've been getting along, you know, doing the best they can, but maybe they're extremely frustrated. Maybe they're having a hard time making a profit. Maybe they're having a hard time with the state regulators. Mm -hmm. Can you help them? Yes, absolutely. You know, I'll step uh, remember a few minutes ago I said uh, the first time you take the course it's required to have 24 hours of certification and every year you have to renew at 12 hours. Why would you need to do that? Because rules change. Policies and procedures change. We we now have, uh, you know, just before COVID, I'm not sure of the exact time frame, but during COVID certainly, the Department of um, on Aging, uh, DADS, Department yeah. of Aging and Disability Services, merged again and changed its name to Health and Human Service Commission. Behind mm-hmm. the scene, what that means for the consumer is, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> uh, agencies merged, right. which means people's jobs merged and you have new eyes looking at old regulations and a previous way of doing things and that always means change and when there's change it affects the consumer one one of the things that happened to me one time working at the state was i had to serve on a special policy committee um, to help tell the governor at the time which was bush why medicaid policies might that they wrote at the state level might not work well at the at the working level, at the county level, the uh-huh. city level. So that happens with everything. Is what we're doing working still? Mm-hmm. And so that's what's happening now. <clears throat> when you have rule changes, um, that changes the playing field. Right. So you might not know what those are. Maybe you're too busy running your assisted living in your business. I know that. I don't have time to keep up with the news because I'm so busy. Yeah. So I have someone that keeps me up with the news on important things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what a consultant does. Uh, that's what some of our calm does. That's what we have once a month, which we don't publicize. Um, everybody who takes our calm course can participate participate in our once a month lunch and learn training so that helps people stay up move forward so if you've if you're already operating you may need help um, with rule changes and with how's that going to affect me okay well we've come to the end of the show thank you for joining me welcome i've had so much fun me me too learning about the abcs of assisted living (laughs) yep and uh you've heard it here on talk law radio uh listen on online on talklawradio.com or youtube anytime i'm todd marquardt i'll talk to you later Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.